Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. And we are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast for covering the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. So, Sean, how have you been this week? I've been pretty good. Is it weird I'm excited for the Matrix fans? Like, I enjoy the Matrix, but I'm not huge on it, and... I don't know, I just think it's cool that they got something new, because I think the last thing the Matrix had was an MMO. But Yeah, and this, it looks good. I mean, I'm not big into the Matrix either, as as you know, we kind of talked about this earlier today, but, like, I'm going to watch this movie. Not only am I going to watch this movie, I'm going to watch the other movies in preparation for this movie. Like, it's it's got me excited. Yeah, I'm going to go back and do a rewatch. I just thought that was cool, because... 2003 was the last time they did any movies and even then I thought it was weird and kind of a strange idea on Warner Brothers part to release both sequels the same year because it was like May and November or something oh that is weird they would never do that today but no I don't know I enjoy them I mean like I said I've seen the trailer I'm confused Star Star Wars did that so maybe they would with with I mean, it was a saga title and then Solo, but they were only like six months apart. Oh, yeah, it was pretty close. Well, I think it was a little different because they filmed them together, but I just I thought that was strange at the time. But, I mean, I, I enjoy the original Matrix, but as far as that new trailer, I, I'm confused. I don't really know what's going on in that movie because I, spoiler alert, I thought Neo died in the third movie. I'm not really sure what's going on, but what what I do like, I have to say, is the fourth movie feels more like the original movie to me. Like, it seems more dialed yeah. back than the sequels. I feel like it's going to have a lot of, like, The Last Jedi-style, like, meta-commentary on the series. I think that's something that the kids are into these days. Well, one of the things I think is cool, other than... Because, like I said, I... I know the Matrix has always been there in pop culture, but I, I don't feel like they've consistently had comics or games or yeah, shows. Yeah, weird. You're right. I mean, I know they've had some stuff here and there, but I, I think it's cool the Wachowskis are back. They created it, so I think they know what That's they're what doing. That's what I was going to ask. I didn't know. Yeah, so I, I'm glad they're, you know, front and center. It's almost like don't even do it if they're not coming back, you know? Yeah. Um... Oh, who's in it? Jessica Henwick is in it. She was uh, she was in Iron Fist. I can't remember her name now. Is Fishburne in it? Because he wasn't in the trailer. No, because I saw a thing online that by canon, his character died in the MMO. Because I guess hmm. that was after the last movie. But, uh, oh, Colleen Wing. That's who she is in Iron Fist. She's in it, and I, I really like her. Oh. And I, yeah, I feel, she was great in Iron Fist. I feel like Marvel and Star Wars kind of wasted her. So, and then uh, I really wish that Iron Fist got a third season because I was curious where they were going to go. You remember it ended with her getting the Iron Fist. Yeah, and I then, keep hearing rumors that maybe Iron Fist will somehow factor into a Shang Chi sequel, which I, I still haven't seen as of recording. I'm, I'm trying to get out and see it, but no, uh. Abdul something the second. I can't for the life of me remember the guy's name. I'm so sorry to the actor. But he was in the new Candyman and uh, he was Black Manta in Aquaman. 
He's the guy that everyone thinks is like the replacement Morpheus character, and I've grown to really like him as an actor. So, and then you know, Keanu's Keanu. So it, I know a lot of people are saying he just looks like John Wick. It's like, well, that's just what Keanu Reeves looks like with a beard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I can dissociate the two. I understand that you know he's not playing Ted. He's not what's his face (laughs) from Speed. I don't think he's John Wick. He's some version of neo but i don't know i'm excited i'd like to see it so that's one of those instances where i'm glad something that kind of has been tucked away gets a little bit of a reinvigoration that's the word i want Mm -hmm. reinvigoration of the the series and i don't know i have no idea if it's setting up a new trilogy or if it's just they wanted to make a fourth movie as a capper they're probably like feeling it out. They're probably like, okay, if this does well, more movies. If not, goodbye. So I don't know. I, I it's not my thing as far as a fandom, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy and excited for the Matrix fans out there. I finished Origami King. That's what I've been up to. Oh, the you Mario finished Paper it. Mario game? <laughs> yeah, and I I think I'd recommend it. <laughs> At the same time, I don't think I'll be playing it again for a while. It was it was a little long, you know? Like, I think you said this a few episodes ago. A, a lot of games try to, like, pad out the playtime these days because yeah. I know when, like, professional review sites review video games, that's one of the things they touch on. They'll, they'll be like, okay, so the single-player campaign will get you 40 to 50 hours. And that's, like, that's like what people want to hear. And if people start hearing... Oh, the single-player campaign will be 25 to 30 hours. People are like, oh, I'm not even going to waste my money on that. But honestly, I feel like if this game was like a 25 to 30-hour campaign, I'd be replaying another file right now. It has more replay value at that point, you know? I think that's part of why I'm excited for Metroid Dread is I know that's not going to be a 20-something hour long game. And I'm, like, looking forward to figuring it out, like, with everyone else, not, yeah. you know, Super Metroid's been out forever, here's the guides. Paper Mario I never got into, Origami King intrigued me. But It's the thing- hilarious. The writing in the game, I laughed multiple times. It's it's a hilarious game. That's why, like, I think I'd recommend it, just be prepared that it's, like, a full, full game. It's not something casual. <laughs> I think that's it's, just one of those instances where Nintendo doesn't drop prices for, you know, ever. Yeah, yeah. So not having a ton of interest in it, but kind of wanting to play it, I can't justify the 60 or 54 or whatever it is used. So that, to me, that seems like a $30, $20 game at some point for me. I think at the same time, too, like I need to start realizing that just because I like one or two games in a franchise, it, it doesn't mean I have to play the entire franchise. <laughs> you know, like I'm so bad at that. I'm such a, like a completionist and like it, the, the, the fact that this game was a little long stopped me, but I remember when I started paper Mario origami King, I, I, I was like, Oh, I'm going to replay them all because I've, I've got most of them. So like, but no, I'm, I'm good. And I think that's a franchise I need to just like, the next time a game comes out, I might not even try it. Like, i got to let some stuff go. That's why I think in 15 years when you get uh, Skyward Sword HD, you're going to do your, I'm playing all the Zelda games again. 
Well, Zelda's a different story. And actually, Origami King, there's something going on with it where they, like, reused all their unused Zelda ideas in it. Like, at the... About three-fourths of the way into the game, it becomes a Zelda game. Like, <laughs> straight up, it starts referencing Zelda games. It starts using the same puzzles from Zelda games. It, like, is just, like, hardcore for no apparent story reason because there's nothing Zelda related in the story just starts hammering home a ton of Zelda references. It's crazy. Hmm. Well, hit us but, up. If you've played origami King, let us know your thought. I know it's where that come out last year. Yeah. It, I started a file and then I got distracted with other games and then I went back and restarted the game from the beginning. So yeah, I think I got it a year ago. Didn't pl- like, you know, put it down for like eight months and then picked it up again and then finished. <laughs> but enough chit chat. Uh, let's let's get into the the story at hand today. So we're here to talk about City at War Part 11. It's got a story by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, a script by Peter Laird and Jim Lawson, some pencils by Jim Lawson, some inks by Keith Aiken and some lettering by Mary Kelleher. It has a cover date of June of 1993. So let's go take a look at June of 93. This month in entertainment. The movies released in June. There's a lot of good stuff here. This is a good summer for movies. So we've got Dennis the Menace. Like, oh, nice. like the one that we know. Yep. And this is a this is one of those movies um, I have a, like good memories of. I owned this on not an official VHS tape. My aunt would tape movies off of HBO for me, and this yeah. is kind of like a dated thing that I was happy to remember when I saw Dennis the Menace on this list. Um, what what I would do is I would get out the TV guide <laughs> at my grandmother's house. So think about that for a second. <laughs> no internet, nothing like that. I got a little That's book, great. and I would look through the TV guide, and I would call her on the phone and give her <laughs> a list of movies I wanted to see that would be on HBO that week. And she's such a great aunt, she would always record them for me. And the next time I saw her, I would get these VHS tapes that would have like three movies apiece on each tape. Oh, and yeah. Yep. Dennis the Menace was one of them. That, that was a movie that I haven't seen it in years. I liked it at the time, but again, it was that period where I didn't realize actors were in multiple things. So it oh, wasn't until yeah. I got older that I realized Christopher Lloyd's the bum. Yeah, he scared the hell out of me <laughs> as a kid. Yep. In that scene where he's cutting <laughs> the apple with the knife. Because if you're a little yep. kid and you see a knife, that's all, that's all you need. Also, I saw on the list of movies that came out for this month, Liar Liar. But I know I knew that couldn't be right exactly, so I found out it's a different liar liar, not the Jim Carrey movie. So there's a different liar liar, and it does not sound like a fun movie at all. <laughs> it's about a, is it like a it's about a girl that has a reputation for lying, and then some bad stuff happens to her and nobody believes her. And it's apparently based on a true story. So it is not a fun movie. (laughs) Sounds very uplifting. Yeah. So, moving on from that. Other movies that came out. Last Action Hero. Nice. Thumbelina. 
which I don't know if I've ever seen, but I know people have nostalgia for. I remember it coming out. I don't think I ever saw it. And then from Thumbelina, we got the opposite end of the spectrum, Romper Stomper. <laughs> oh my. So from fun... Great movie, but... Disney-like wow. movie to Romper Neo Stomper. Neo-Nazi Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah. And then somewhere in the middle <laughs> is this film, Dazed and Confused, came out that month. Also, okay. Sleepless in Seattle is June of 93. But I'm burying the lead here. I think the big one for, for most people our age listening, Jurassic Park came out in June of 93. Welcome yeah. to Jurassic Park. That that had to be the highest grossing movie of the year, if I had to guess. Uh, I didn't look it up, but it's gotta be. It has to be. But that, that was a phenomenon. I still want to read that book someday. Like, I might get the... You never read it? No. And I've been thinking about switching. I listen to so many podcasts at work that I've been thinking about like one day a week switching up to audiobooks because I'll you okay, know, actually be idea. able to read, you know, act like I'm well-read. <laughs> I remember I read that. So there was like a three-year period where I was big on Michael Crichton books and I read Jurassic Park in like fifth grade. It was like the biggest book I'd read. Mm-hmm. And dear God, was that different than the movie? <laughs> like... That would have been a hard, hard R if they just adapted it. And then the music, the entire month of June, was dominated by That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. Are you familiar with that song? I am. That's a good song. I didn't know it, so I looked up the music video, and speaking of things I could do a whole podcast on, like, that music video is its crazy. Like, first off, Jennifer Lopez is in it, like pre-fame J-Lo. Oh, really? Yeah, she's wow. like one of Janet Jackson's friends who... And then I look, when I looked up to confirm, is that Jennifer Lopez? Um, I found out that apparently she was supposed to go on that tour with Janet Jackson, but apparently she didn't, but she wound up in the music video still anyway. I- I'm guessing as a backup dancer, because I don't think she had a music career or anything at that point. Um, no, she was she was still a fly girl, right? On In Living Color? She wasn't a fly girl that long, from what I understand. She was there for like a couple of a couple of episodes. She's like not even a full season. But yeah, she she was a, around that time a fly girl. So yeah, she Yeah, that it, that's just crazy, huh? Like somebody who's that talented that you go from backup dancer to like one of the most famous yep. entertainers on the planet. Oh yeah. And it is funny to watch her in this music video, like, have to be, like, second fiddle. You know, like, you never see J-Lo taking a backseat to someone, but when Janet Jackson's around, you do. Especially at the height of Janet Jackson fame. Like, one escalator's going down, one escalator's coming up. (laughs) Video games. So the Nintendo Power cover was Battletoads and Double Dragon, the ultimate team. And then it says Toad Special, three systems, three games. Because that's what they were covering Battletoads for. Because it came out on all three. It was on NES, it was on Game Boy, and it was on Super Nintendo. I thought they were doing like a, a spotlight on Toad. <laughs> no. Like, what the heck did he have going at that point? He was just at the end of levels telling you that the princess was in another castle or Is he even you could in use Super him in Mario, Mario Kart. He must be. No. No, yeah, you're. I don't think he is. Is he? No, I don't think he is. 
Oh yeah, you know why? Because Super Mario World doesn't take place in the Mushroom Kingdom. It takes place in Dinosaur Land. That's why. I know a little bit about Mario. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> other things that were in this Nintendo Power. Uh, a game that you and I both like, that B.O.B game, Bob. They, oh yeah, they had, yeah, like, that's a fun some game. Walkthroughs of that. Tasmania also had some walkthroughs. Yoshi Cookie had some tips. And then they had the top three games for each system, as voted for by the readers of Nintendo Power. So the top three Super Nintendo games. Number three, Super Mario Kart. Number two, Street Fighter II World Warrior. It is down. Finally. finally. And the number one game for Super Nintendo, as voted by the readers that month, The Legend of Zelda finally knocks Street Fighter out of the top spot. And then the rest of the systems are pretty much the same games over and over. Techno Bowl is finally going down on the NES. Techno Bowl fell two spots on the NES. It's down to number three. It's probably going to be gone next month, I'm guessing. And number two is The Legend of Zelda. Number one, Super Mario Bros. 3. And then Game Boy. We had the third one was Super Mario Land. The second one was Super Metroid. Or, it's not Super Metroid. This is a Super Nintendo game. Metroid 2, Return of Samus. And then the number one game is still Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. The game I told you you should play. It is a fantastic Mario game. So, I, I'm just... While I'm thinking of it, I, I sincerely doubt it. But if anyone who has anything to do with the licensing, licensing rights to Tasmania is listening... Can you get that on something, please? I love that show. I feel like it's caught up between Warner Brothers and something else, but who knows? TV events. So on television, the month that this comic book came out, we've got June 25th. David Letterman broadcasts his last late night talk show with NBC, which means Conan is coming in. I think uh, probably whatever the next... Day was Conan started. Or that was probably a Friday and Conan started on Monday, but whatever. And then June 26th, I don't have any nostalgia for this show, but maybe someone listening does. The final episode of Soul Train with Don Cornelius as host airs. No more Soul Train. Soul Train was still going in 93. Wow. It makes sense because I know they referenced it on The Simpsons as like a current show. And that's, like, my only touching point for it. <laughs> that's impressive, though. And there was no Saturday Night Live because it's June. They stop in May. So we'll see them back in September. And that was all the pop culture I had for the month this comic book came out. So we're on issue 60, which is the pre-penultimate, I guess. I don't know what the word for that is. Uh, it's on Comicsology and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ultimate Classics, Volume 5. This is a really cool cover. I love this cover. I love the colors, this purple look it's got going, but not Donatello purple, like a like a more of a violet. Is that violet? Is that what that looks like? Yeah, it, it made me realize that you don't see a lot of lightning in the book. Yeah, but you see it on a lot of covers. So, I don't know. I think it's really cool. It's very uh, West Side Story, we're going to rumble. I like that Leonardo looks like he doesn't want to be there. 
Like he's making yep. he's making this face. He he has his eyes closed and he's like grimacing, and he's got this look like, "Please make this stop! Please make this stop! I don't want to have to fight." <laughs> and definitely, definitely a step up from last week's. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a great cover. You got the three foot elite behind the turtles and the one in front, so. You can tell it's at least a four-on-four battle. Actually, you can kind of see a hand over to the right, so it's a five-on-four battle. As far as the cover goes, anyway. So then we jump into page one, and it picks up right where last issue left off. The foot elite are jumping down on the Turtles and Karai, who is still disguised as Shredder. Basically, she's still playing her I'm Shredder con game, tries to fool them, and... She basically tells the foot elite that they're not doing a good job. They're traitors, she calls them. She says, but they think it's Shredder talking. I trained you to be steel tigers, not mad dogs. You dishonor me and dishonor the f- and you dishonor the foot clan. And she asks them to commit seppuku. And one of them just like straight away without questioning and is like, yes, Master Shredder. And... You know, takes the knife out and stabs him, him or herself. And it, that part to me was so funny. I know it's not supposed to yeah. be, but it was like, yep. imagine if in Star Wars, like Order 66 <laughs> was just Darth <laughs> Vader calling out all the Jedi and saying, you've dishonored the Jedi Order. I want you all to kill yourselves. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> That's how. All righty. <laughs> That's how Order 66 went down. Yeah, I, I think it's a funny moment, and they they haven't done Karai pretending to be Shredder and anything else as far as I know. I don't know off the top of my head. It's It's been a long time since I've seen the 2012 series start to finish, so there might be something I, there. I like it as a concept, especially now that we know Shredder was kind of low man on the totem pole i know spoilers for the next season of our podcast but she doesn't come back in volume two or three or she might show up in three but it wouldn't be in this continuity but i know basically as far as mirage continuity goes she doesn't come back until volume four so it's not gonna happen there i don't know it's a nice moment it it was something i just was thinking like wow that's really cool i'm surprised they haven't adapted that in anything yeah, I really liked it. This is, and like you just said, haven't adapted it into anything. Like, that's why I always say, like, when we get these new turtle shows and new turtle movies, there's still so much of the franchise that hasn't been adapted that it's almost getting to be like Spider Man at this point, where I'm like, don't waste the first one completely doing just, okay, here's where the turtles came from, and now they're going to fight Shredder, and that's the end. And, and I'm aware you couldn't jump straight to Karai pretending to be Shredder in a first movie. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying there's so much of the franchise that hasn't been touched on. Like, you could even do Baxter Stockman as a first movie and set up the Shredder. You know what I mean? Like That would be like, cool. Cue it up. Like, you could do Triceratons, which is something I would love to see in a, a Turtle movie. I loved it when they showed up in the 2012 show. And they basically adapted the Return to New York storyline, like stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I like how they uh, altered the opening when they did that. Yep. So one of the elite foot 
killed themselves uh, just because Karai said so, but the rest aren't buying it. And they make Karai take her helmet off because they're like, you're not Shredder. I can see you're not a Shreddy. So <laughs> so she takes the helmet off. <laughs> you're not made of worms. <laughs> and she throws it at the elite foot and basically says, look, gaze upon the face of vengeance and see your doom. And she's ready to strike. And... Basically, the turtles use that as the opportunity to strike because they're all distracted at who the heck is this. I love that moment where I forget who, but one of them goes, quick, while they're distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's the one time they've had the drop on the foot. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be Leonardo. I'm pretty sure those are swords on his back. Quick! And then Raphael runs in charging because that's what he does. There's this amazing full page of him just... It looks like he gets shot out of a catapult with how high he (laughs) is. It does, yeah. But just launching himself at the foot elite. I love that panel. And it's got this like anime style background to it too where it's just a bunch of like motion lines. Yep. Looks like they're fighting in a a blizzard. (laughs) If you were reading the black and white. And then the next scene we cut to is an older woman answering her chain link door thing. Dead, deadbolt. Is that, that No, deadbolt's the thing that goes across. What's the chain called? Chain lock? I don't know. She's answering her door. And <laughs> we're not going to waste 10 minutes of this podcast on what locks are called. <laughs> so she's answering her door and it's Casey Jones coming home to see his mama. Which is really nice that he seems to have a decent mother in this continuity. IDW kind of did away with his mom before we even met her. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that version doesn't, you know, that case, he doesn't really have a mom. They usually lean on his father, right? Yeah, yeah. Very heavily. Because his, we'll get to it, but when we get to IDW, his father is basically a combination of a couple of characters. Yeah, he's home and he's got his baby. That isn't his baby, but from now on we will refer to it as his baby cuz I don't want to have to bring up not his biological baby every time we talk about Shadow Jones. Just from here on out, we know. We know it's- there's two awesome moments back to back with his mom. One that his name's Arnold. Yep. Which I think we mentioned in a previous podcast. I mentioned I think we did. I couldn't remember, but as soon as she said it, I had flashbacks to Hey Arnold. <laughs> and the fact his mother is like, did you name the kid? That's a stupid name. Yep. <laughs> I just like it because in the last Ronin, their daughter is Casey, which makes sense. And I, I don't know. I, I get what they're going for with Shadow, but. Well, the thing is, and we brought this up. I don't remember if it made it into the podcast, but you corrected me because I thought that. Casey Marie Jones was was Shadow Jones. Like I, I I had this for notes later in the episode, but now's as good a time as any. The reason I made that mistake is in the Mirage continuity, and we haven't gotten to it yet, but Casey and April can't have a kid together. So I th- oh, I forgot that. Yeah, so I thought that that was Shadow. So that basically shows that 
Last Ronin is not that's one of the things there's a few other things but Last Ronin isn't exactly in the Mirage continuity no it makes a lot of references to it so it's an alternate universe where most of the stuff happened the same way but it's not yeah. exactly in the Mirage unless they just don't care <laughs> but I don't it's not in the exact it's its own universe like like Dark Knight Returns it it sounds silly but the only version of Turtles where the last Ronin fit for me is I just, in my head, put that after the 1990 movie. I did check, though, to make sure after I was doing this research, and Casey Marie Jones isn't a reference to anything else in The Last Ronin. Casey Marie Jones is a unique character to that story. Because there's okay. so many references in Last Ronin, it's hard to tell when you see something. You're like, is that just something I'm missing, or is that something that's new? You get back to the turtles fighting, and I mean, there's just great moments. Mikey gets out chucked by another one of the foot elite, which I just like. I mean, there's no dialogue reaction from him, but it's just it's a great moment to me that you don't even technically see wrote- how he got hit. You just see, yeah. <laughs> you just see that he the the foot elite is post swing, <laughs> like the way his yeah. arm is out. He has just swung his nunchuck, and Mikey is flying. And you you get a moment that they did in Iron Man that I dubbed the RoboCop moment, where the foot soldier comes through the wall, the snap into a Slim Jim moment. <laughs> oh, that's a good way to put it too. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Everyone snap goes with Kool Aid Man. I think that's played out. We need Snap into a Slim Jim when he came through the door. <laughs> Boggy Creek. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that moment, and then when we get to April in the diner. Well, wait, wait, wait! I talk talk about this. Uh, oh, this foot soldier right before there, where he's like, this is a brutal fight. Like, this is them going back to, oh, yeah. this has got to be Kevin Eastman uh, putting some input in saying, hey, we really wanted to separate this comic from the other Turtles media and make it really violent and bloody. And that's what you get here. Like, mm-hmm. this foot soldier has, like, a six-inch blade tossed straight into his chest. And there's, like, blood splurting out. There's blood everywhere in this fight. It is it is a brutal, brutal battle. There. There's a point later in the fight where Leo basically makes a foot elite's head explode with his katana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But April in the diner, the she's drinking coffee. You think that was a little New Englander sneaking in there into the script? Could be. I wondered why they spelled it like that, and I didn't come up with that, but I think you're right, yeah. Because the, they have the... I don't even know if you'd call this guy a server, but the guy who works at this little dive uh, dive diner she's in coming up and saying more coffee, and it's spelled like C-A-W-F-E-E. So, yeah, that is probably supposed to be like a New England accent thing. This guy, and this guy I feel like, has his own stories to tell. There's, there's just something in oh, his face. There, there's a one shot that was pitched that I'm sure never got published. Yeah. <laughs> And we finally, I I could be wrong, but now that I'm over picking on the old man, thanks to uh, Kirkland's amazing... We're not done with April yet. You're fast forwarding. Oh, 
Oh, slow. You you got more on that one page. Slow roll. Yeah. So, well, we didn't even say what she's doing. So she's in the diner and she's uh, she's looking in the real estate section, and we, you know, of course we, because we've read the story, know where that's going. But for now, if you were reading this month to month, like, what are you thinking here? You think I would think she just inherited all this money. Maybe she's looking to invest her inheritance into real estate, like everyone always says is the best investment, especially in New York. Uh, I, you know, you could think maybe she's looking to buy some rental properties, and maybe she ends up renting one of the turtles. You know, I I kind of saw it as maybe she's trying to find a new location for second time around. Yeah, I thought that too. That was another thought that I had. Like maybe she's trying to reopen the store. I don't like she shouldn't. I would advise her not to rent to the turtles. I mean, we saw in Secret of the Use, <laughs> the rat is the can cleanest ima- one. Imagine the security <laughs> um, deposit that they'd have to put down. But I really like at this point when I was reading, and there's something they do such a good job of drawing her in the booth, like just the the body language on her. It mm. made me really wonder what's going on in April's head. Like what is she thinking at this point? Because she inherited all this money. We we it's it's not, you know, a small amount either. It was I think 200,000 in 1993. Like that's going to go far. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's a good moment and it's interesting cuz it's the only time she's in this issue. Yeah, and I feel like they're just I, I don't know. There's something I want to see more there and I, I want to know more about like what her goals were before she met the turtles too, because she was working for Baxter Stockman as a lab assistant. So she definitely had some like career aspirations in that direction. She was a computer programmer. So yeah. in fact, I think they said she programmed the mousers and then Baxter reprogrammed them for his nefarious activities. <laughs> but, and the IDW series does a great job of keeping that, part of her character yeah. alive like she's even working with Baxter again right now in the comic and I don't know she, she's a computer gro- programmer she's been shown to have some hacking abilities she programmed the mousers I just I hope they do something with that soon because I feel like she never gets used to her full potential at Mirage I, no. I just listened to an interview the other day with Kevin Eastman mentioning that when they created April they they said they put her in issue two because they liked strong female characters, and he even mentioned Ripley from Aliens as like one. Oh, of, interesting. Yeah, one of the things. I forget the other one. He gave two examples. That's the only one I remember. I can kind of see that in issue two, but I feel like it fades over time. Like I feel like she has more of a can-do spirit <laughs> in issue two. That, um, that's why I I feel like IDW. And maybe Rise right now do the most with her? Well, they do this crazy twist with her in Volume 4. We'll get to that when we get to it. But I don't know. It, it's just like that. I don't I don't even know how I feel about that. I don't even know what that is yet. So I'll, I'll learn there's, when we um, get there. But. There's some more origin story to April. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. There's some more about her past that they haven't touched on yet. I To tell you the truth... There's no way they even had thought of it yet, which is why they haven't touched on it. But um, 
but yeah, I don't know. It's just like there's so much going on here. And, and then I, I started deep diving, like I said before. I said it earlier in this episode that she they have in Last Ronin, they have Casey Marie Jones. But now mm-hmm. I, I always try not to get too far ahead of ourselves. But she's, she is eventually going to you know see Casey Jones again. I don't think that's a spoiler. And we know Casey's got this new baby that isn't Casey Marie Jones. It's Shadow. Jones. So I don't know. That's, I just had a lot of thoughts on April this week. <laughs> My hope with April while we're talking about her is that like I know in Shredder's Revenge it's it's more based off the 87 cartoon and I, probably the Nick fighter too. Yeah. But I'm hoping in one of the two movies coming up they get away from the reporter thing because I, I think it's been done. Honestly, as many the times best as April you can do we've, it. we've gotten, I think, is the 2012 cartoon. She's good in Rise, but they don't ever use her. Like, she barely ever shows up. I would put IDW as the best. I mean, 1990 oh, yeah. is still my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of that. That's pretty good. I gotta go back and watch 2012. It's been a while. But yes, we, we finally get his name. He's Nathaniel Ushev. And that's a really good hand. They drew here. They put all of this yeah. month's effort into drawing this old man hand here. Very detailed. So he he's doing well. Mir- Mirage is healing, as Kirkland says. <laughs> Even though, as of recording, Mirage is closing its doors, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. We posted that today. But well, we get back to the, the turtles will be around and forever, and that's what matters. And yes, Kevin yes, Eastman still has his involvement, as does Peter from time to time. I mean, look, last yep. Ronin, boom. So yeah, I feel like if this was a movie, this would be one of those moments where it went from like dead quiet to like something super loud happening to transition into the fight here, because it goes from like yeah, because you the, the <laughs> you old man in the hospital Daniel to chaos <laughs> to Leo destroying a guy and Karai impaling a guy on a lamp. <laughs> like it's with a it's, lamp. Yeah, what is it? He falls and she kinda like it's almost like a Looney Tune, like she like positions it in the right place and takes him out. I think oh, that's a little further down. So first they Leo takes the fight up to the roof, which we should talk about this rooftop fight. It's got like that crazy chain weapon we're always bringing up with it, where it's oh, like a chain yeah, with yeah. the weight on two ends. Oh, that's Raphael, yep. not Leonardo. Sorry. So they're they're fighting up there, and then Raphael gets like tangled in the chain and takes the foot elite down with him by like jumping down into the house, and they all come crashing down. He probably because of the shell on his back is able to survive the fall, but the other guy gets impaled on the wreckage. So that foot elite is down. And then it's Karai in the lamp. She's swinging on a chandelier at first, <laughs> which I don't remember. Yep, yep. I don't think I noticed that the first time I read it. But she swings on the chandelier and then like lands next to a lamp. And then the, the foot elite comes after her and she impales him with the lamp. And that is the bloodiest panel in the whole issue, yes. I think. It looks like a volcano of blood coming out of his back <laughs> when she impales yes, him. it does. I think the thing that this fight captures really well, and it, it's not that they haven't done it in the book, it's just been a while, 
but you can just feel the desperation in this fight. Yeah, it's it it's not one-sided. Like it does not look like the turtles are are cleaning house and and taking everyone out. It's it really feels like for every it's one step forward, one step back. They make a little progress, they lose a little progress. And it's not like they're taking these guys out in the most like efficient ninja way. Yeah. It's it's at this point it's just like, ah, I've got to smash your face in with a brick. <laughs> like it's just whatever they can do to stop them. Yeah, it's brutal like I said before. It's like really really a a what do you call it? Like primitive almost fight. Like it's just barbaric. <laughs> Running out of adjectives. And then, so we got this last little foot elite here battling Karai. And the image, the image, the issue ends with the foot elite saying, you profane the image of our master, the Shredder. And for that, you must die. And he is standing over her. He's got his sword up. Looks like he's gonna about to chop her head off. And that's our cliffhanger ending. I like how they wrote the end, like the end was in the fight and get the crap kicked out of it. (laughs) Yeah, that is cool. And then one other thing I wanted to say about the issue, I always read the letters at the end of each issue. Oh, I always forget those. Like, I usually don't find anything worth bringing up, which is why I haven't been doing it. But there's something I've seen multiple times now. So I thought it's worth not I'm not going to reference a specific letter, but I've seen it brought up a lot. And that's fans asking how they can find earlier issues. And usually they they respond by saying like, you know, we released this collection and this collection, but even those are hard to find at this point. And it's a great reminder of what an amazing time we live in for comic books. We're like, yeah. Yeah, stuff goes out of print every now and then, but it's always available digitally. Like you can you can pretty much read any comic you want to that was published in the last 80 years at this point and that's so awesome to me. Like it, it remind it reminds me of the other day like I was thinking about how incredible the 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 big 3 are like Marvel Unlimited, DC Infinite and Comicsology for the digital comics and Like, imagine if you could go back to us in, like, the fifth grade and be like, you're going to be able to read every Spider-Man comic. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that is crazy. So just something I I thought I'd bring up because almost every issue there's someone being like, I can't find older Turtles issues. And, like, think about this. Like, there's no internet. Like, these guys are out there hustling. Yeah. There's no internet. They can't find... If they can't find the issue, they don't know what happened in it. There's no way to find out what happened. So right. so that, that just just wanted to appreciate technology, I guess. I don't know. I went a little high with the score, actually, surprisingly. Uh, do you want to hear mine first? or I went 4.5. Dead on. Yeah, that's what I did. I don't know. It's just it's a solid issue. I know it's a lot of action, but like we say, it's like, one of the but yeah, that's where they live cover to cover. Like it's it's one of the best covers we've had. It's like great story on the inside, great artwork, super detailed. Like I I feel like this was the issue they wanted to make out of all of them. They were like, okay, and then we're gonna 
We're going to get back to the brutalness. We're going to get back to the more adult skewed artwork. And it's just going to be a bloodbath when these guys start fighting. So we're going to impale a guy on a lamp. Yes, Peter. (laughs) Not yet. Put that on the board. (laughs) We will impale someone on a lamp. No, even just like Casey and April only get like a page each and it's, it leaves you questioning a lot of things and thinking about their characters, which I Mm -hmm. think is great. Yeah, it's great to see that Casey is trying to, you know, put his life together. Great to see that April is trying to start over, it feels like, you know, she's, you know, like you said, maybe setting up the store, maybe buying some real estate, maybe... Just finding an apartment. Who knows? But she's going to start over and, and get going. And we'll see next issue how that works out for her. I mean, it would be funny if, like, in the last issue, she shows up to the Turtles and she's like, here's your lease. I had to get really specific with parts of it. <laughs> so, yeah, that is issue 60. Nice round number there. Only only two left. Two left in volume one of Mirage. Yep. And two left in... Oh, that was another thing that I saw in the letters section, by the way. So, at some point uh, around here, they already knew they were going to be doing volume two. Because people are writing in the letters section, I'm so excited that you're going to be starting full color issues soon. So that information has leaked oh, that's cool. at some point. I think it was in the the little writing they do at the beginning of each each issue where where Kevin or Peter or sometimes both they they have like a page at the beginning of each City at War issue where they they have a little blurb. Cuz again, there's I no give, internet back then. <laughs> so they have to address their fans this way. I give them a lot of credit because it's 93. You're on your third live action movie. The show's been on a while. The toys have been selling off the shelves. And you've stuck with black and white the whole time. And I'm sure there's arguments on both sides of it because they they clearly love the black and white thing. Even though originally it was a... I don't even know if it was like for budget reasons because like I'll bet if they had to color that first issue they weren't going to color it themselves they would have had to pay another guy to color it you know yeah I just find it interesting that this this far into the run and this far into turtle mania that they decided to stick with that black and white and it makes me wonder if they're going to release like a last Ronin black and white edition I'll bet they will I mean it's kind of like you remember Logan uh, the the movie Logan had like a black oh, and had, white had noir, the noir version you could watch. Yeah, and then obviously Justice League did the same thing. Oh yeah, he they did do a black and white. I didn't watch. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they did difference. a black and white Last Ronin. God, that, remember I, it's remember last season. I don't remember what issue it was, but like we specifically pointed out, like one of the issues was the first issue to have multiple colors. Like, it was like, this is the first issue where the cover has, like, more than three colors or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, it might have been the issue we thought had Donnie on it, because it had no, the purple. pre-Teenage Mutant no? Ninja Turtles has a color cover. I'm just going off the top of my head here, but I know that's, like, full color oh, on issue right. nine. Um, 
Issue four is obviously the first print is that all green turtles. Yeah, yeah. It might be issue five. It's the first one that's full color. It's funny because Last Ronin's the first instance where I get the book each time it comes out. But I'm also going to get the graphic novel collected when it comes out too. I'm buying like a thousand different versions of Last Ronin. <laughs> like I'm going to get it digitally. I'm going to get it. Um, I'm going to get the the trade paperback. I'm obviously picking up the individual issues. I pick up like when they did that director's cut issue. I grabbed that too. I just can't get it. Oh uh, yeah, I I miss the director's cut issue, but I I do see a lot of people kind of floating the idea of it'd be cool if they did an animated movie of it. I could get behind that if you get the right team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because especially since DC has been doing those animated movies of like year one and they did a Dark Knight Rises, they did Death of Superman. They did the the Batman and the Turtles one that was pretty good. I'm still looking at old Yes, issue five is the first full color cover. It's the okay. it was the one that was like it looked like the Cantina from Star Wars where they were in that crazy oh, right. alien bar. Yep. But anyway. <laughs> that's our our thoughts on issue 60 let's move into our second segment pizza power terminate the turtles oh goody fresh turtles for lunch turtle soup my favorite <laughs> you shellheads are dead from playmate so we did turtles one through four it only makes sense to keep going with the next video game in that order i think would be hyperstone heist i mean you've got the game boy games in there we'll talk about them another time yeah hyperstone heist would be the next home console turtle game came out in the sega genesis say it was released after turtles in time so, worldwide, Hyperstone Heist came out December 11th, 1992. And Turtles in Time came out in Japan. July came out here in August of 92. So, yeah, they were like six months apart. So, when you were like, oh, we're ready to record, I was still like in the middle of trying to beat Shredder and Hyperstone Heist. So, that's one that... I don't know anyone who had it when we were growing up. Yeah, I actually didn't find out about it until, like, I want to say, like, in, like, 2005? Yeah, that that was when I started, like, getting heavy into retro games, and, like, you know, we were, like, what, 22, 23 around that time? So that's when you start to, like, you're starting to be like, oh, I want to, you, you have nostalgia for the stuff you grew up with, you know? So, I think I had heard of Hyperstone Heist, but I thought it was just the Sega version of Turtles in Time, which now that I've sat and played through it, I know it isn't. It's, yeah, it's kind of like a remixed version of Turtles in Time. Uh, it's, It's a great game. I wouldn't trade Turtles in Time for it, but it's nice to play it every now and then to switch it up, like when... You know, you've played Turtles in Time a hundred times and and you want something a little different. Here's what I got from it while I was playing it before you get into the guide and everything. So, I feel like it's the hardest 
turtles beat him up so far. That's something that was in the reviews I, I have here. Yeah, it, it is mentioned as being a little more difficult. I think the levels are weaker than Turtles in Time, but I think it's cool that they're segmented. The one thing I think Turtles in Time has over Hyperstone Heist, period, is the audio, and I don't know why. No, like, se- was... the Super Nintendo, I think, had better audio than the Sega Genesis. It just did. Okay. Because I know some of the some music's that, the same. But I think... I. I, th- I know it processed audio differently, and I always end up preferring the Super Nintendo audio. Okay, because cause that was, like, the sound effects, the music, all of it is much weaker than Turtles in Time. But, I think the sprites overall in Hyperstone are better. I agree. Yeah, it's got some great, like, character animation, too. And then I thought it was interesting, uh... So Turtles in Time, we said you you could change the colors from basically all the same green or comic. In Hyperstone, the colors are anime or comic, so I thought that was interesting. Hmm. So this is the only game I've played that Baxter Stockman is actually challenging in. It's probably... Anime is probably short for animation. I don't think they mean like... Maybe. Yeah, I don't think they mean like actual anime because there's no Ninja Turtle anime. So I, I thought it was funny. Baxter's a challenge. I love that Tetsu is a boss in this game. It's you're going through things too quick. The, <laughs> well, I, this is just how I, I as I was playing it. So right. I think he has one of the the coolest boss fights just because of the like mechanic. I think it's weird you fight Rocksteady and not Bebop. Yeah, they only have the one. But I, I have a section on the levels. I got a section on the bosses. You're giving all my candy away. <laughs> All right, well, here, here's the last bit of candy I'll give okay. away, and you can get into it. Um, the other thing this game has that Turtles in Time doesn't that I really liked are the fire-breathing foot soldiers. <laughs> yeah. And then I just... I'm torn because they're equally fun, but I feel like Turtles in Time's a little more dynamic because, it, it, unless I'm wrong... It doesn't seem like you can throw enemies at the screen no, in Hyperstone. No, because that uses technology that the Super Nintendo... I, I'm not a tech person, so I don't completely understand it, but I read online that like that's something that only the Super Nintendo could do. The Genesis had a okay. hard time scaling um, sprites like that. So you can't throw but people at the screen. I think if I had grown up on Genesis or had a friend... I would have played this as much as Turtles in Time. I think it's a really fun game. It's a great game. Like I said, I wouldn't trade it for Turtles in Time. Like, if I could only have one, I'd pick Turtles in Time. But it's nice to switch it up every now and then and, and play this one. It's, um, the levels, there's there's a total of five stages. And yep. there's new levels created specifically for the game. And then there's levels from Turtles in Time that are, like, extended so the, the yep. levels are all longer than they are in Turtles in Time. and Which I thought was cool. You've got, you start on New York City, and then you've got a mysterious ghost ship, is the name of the level. Uh, the third one is Shredder's Hideout with Tatsu, yay! And then... Uh, that has a really cool statue of the Shredder at the end, too. Y- yeah, yep. And then stage four is the Gauntlet. And then uh, five is Technodrome, the final shell shock. Oh, the gauntlet. That is that is 
my hand hurt <laughs> from hitting the button so fast from that level. Like yeah, so let me get to th that's the next thing. So so bosses, and then we'll be able to explain yeah. what the gauntlet is when we give boss order. So the bosses in the game are first you have Leatherhead, so just like in Turtles in Time, Leatherhead. You only have Rocksteady, no Bebop, which is interesting. Which is just weird. Yeah. And it's not like the system wasn't capable of giving you both, so I don't. it's not like you could no, only have just, one character on the screen at a time. As I was playing through it, I'm like, oh, maybe you fight Bebop later, and he never showed up, and I was just like, that's just strange. And then the next boss is Tatsu, and Tatsu looks to me straight out of a Street Fighter game. Like, yeah. he could very well be, like, a reused character model or something. Like, he, he really looks like a Street Fighter character. It's Ken's What is lost awesome brother. about him, though, other than the fact that I don't... You know, we've said this before, Tetsu does not get enough love in the franchise in general. Mm -hmm. But he has, like, the most unique boss fight in any of the beat-em-ups so far until Shredder's Revenge maybe does something different. Because he has foot soldiers that attack you at the same time. Yeah, and the closest and I, you get to that is like, a, you know, you got Baxter Stockman, you've got like the Mousers or, or something, but no no Foot Soldier one. And then the next thing after Tatsu is, it, it calls it Triple Threat, and it's a gauntlet, that's the gauntlet level, where you just move forward through the level and you stop periodically to fight the bosses you have fought up to that point. So you refight yeah. Leatherhead, Rocksteady, and Tatsu one after the other, and then that goes into you fight Baxter Stockman at the end. Which I thought was weird, because like I said, he's not challenging in the other games, but in this game he is. And I feel like if you were going to put Bebop in, that would be where you'd put him in. Oh yeah, that's right where he belongs. So I, I, I don't know, I thought that was strange like it wasn't bad it was just it, in the hierarchy of like power levels I wouldn't put Baxter at like the end of that and then some other differences from Turtles in Time like you said there's a fire breathing foot soldier that's one of the only differences as far as foot soldiers go there's no time trial or versus mode which oh, we yeah. didn't even bring up time trial when we talked about Turtles I, in Time. It's it's a thing where you have to forgot about it. beat levels in a certain amount of time, or, or beat enemies in a certain amount of time, I think. I can't even remember. The, the, yeah, it's it's kind of a cool mode, but they didn't... I don't know, I, I feel like it's tacked on because there's only like three levels and they probably could have just done it for all the levels. One change I really like is that there's a run button instead of double tapping forward. I like that a lot more. It, it feels more fluid. I kind of prefer the tapping, but I, I did like that at least, you know, on my RetroPie, it's an SNES controller, but I like that they utilize all the buttons on the Genesis controller. Yeah. Because, the you know, the arcade Turtles games, you just had jump and hit. <laughs> I was going to say, they, they can't run in those, right? They can. If you hold forward, they, they run. Yeah. Okay. I think just in Turtles in Time. Not in the arcade one, but I could be wrong. Okay. I've got a GameSpot review of the game here. so it Or at least a section from one. It said, When compared to Turtles in Time, the Hyperstone Heist features fewer but longer levels, has less special effects, 
louder and somewhat raspy digital voices and louder sound effects. Thanks to the superior color palette of the SNES, Turtles in Time looks brighter and more colorful and uses special zooming effects in some areas with some moves, so that's throwing the guys. Okay. But the Genesis includes more background layers. It also has faster yes. and clearer animation frames and overall faster gameplay. Both games, so that's blast processing. Remember that? It's faster gameplay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Both games share nearly the same soundtrack and sound effects, but the songs play faster in Hyperstone Heist. Though there are fewer than half the levels in the Genesis game compared to the Super Nintendo game, each level is longer. Furthermore, the Hyperstone Heist is arguably more difficult thanks to the more aggressive enemy AI and faster-moving characters. Screw Attack named it the 19th best Genesis game ever in their top 20 list, although they dismissed it as a direct clone of Turtles in Time, which they consider to be the best beat-em-up of all time. So I wouldn't say it was a direct clone. No, it's not. It's its, its own thing. Like I said, I, it's for when you want to switch things up. It, it sounds stupid, but I feel like Hyperstone Heist has a better story than Turtles in Time. Yeah, because the, the, tur- the Turtles in Time story doesn't really hold up when you think about it. Like, did Shredder send the, the foot soldiers back in time with the Turtles? Why do you travel well, what, what at the end of each level? What about beating Leatherhead makes you travel forward in time? <laughs> There's that, and the... The Statue of Liberty thing in Turtles in Time doesn't make sense. It does make sense in Hyperstone Heist. And then you you, you brought this up. I thought it was interesting. They use the space level as the Technodrome. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the space level, like you just said, yeah, it's the Technodrome. It's, what is it called in, in Turtles in Time? That's where no turtle has gone before. Yeah, yep. And then in this one, it's called the Technodrome. That's the other thing, now that I'm thinking of it, I didn't even notice, but they, they don't announce the levels. So that's one more point to Turtles in Time. <laughs> so we always read the story out of the instruction manual. I've, this has got the longest one of all of them. It's two pages. So buckle up. Wow. I don't know. Maybe it'll end up being about the same because they've got some kind of big margins here, but we'll see. Have fun alliterating. It doesn't do that. They stopped at some point. Oh. <laughs> Far below the morning rush hour in New York City, four youths are watching their favorite news reporter, April O'Neil, on television. Youths or youths? The only time the turtles are called four youths. <laughs> Things are pretty comfortable for these boys in their well-furnished subterranean hideout. That is, well-furnished if you're a turtle. A mutant turtle. Teenage, no less. And a ninja. Okay, you and I may not be comfortable, but these guys think the place is like Mondo to the max. April is reporting a story from nearby Ellis Island. Suddenly, there is a bright flash behind her. She doesn't seem to notice, but the television viewers do. Whoa, dudes, did you see that? Michelangelo asked the others. Leonardo and Raphael stopped their ninja practice and look at the screen. What, did some jerk in the crowd moon the camera again? Donatello asks from his workbench. No way, man, Mike answers. But there was a most spectacular flash. It looked like 
and explode. So he's about to say explosion, but it's got the dot, dot, dot. Mikey stops talking. His mouth hangs open. As he stares at the screen, his eyes grow wider. Leonardo rubs his eyes. Am I seeing things, or is April growing? Your perception is reversed, my son, comments Splinter. The large humanoid rat who also serves as a teacher and mentor to the boys. Nobody playing this game needs to be told who Splinter is. (laughs) Just saying. And they're not going to the instruction manual to find out if they don't know. It's in case grandma and grandpa want to read the instruction manual. (laughs) So he's standing in the doorway at the back of the room, watching the events unfold on TV. If you will observe, the city is actual the city is actually shrinking. On the television, April has been alerted to the commotion. She turns and watches in amazement as Manhattan and the Statue of Liberty grow smaller and smaller and dot dot dot. With a flash, the picture scrambles, then resumes. Now, instead of April reporting from Ellis Island, the screen is filled with the face of Shredder, the turtle's longtime nemesis master criminal, and all-around geek in general. Listen to me now, New York City. Shredder's voice booms out from the speaker. I have in my possession the treasure of Dimension X. It will allow me to take control of New York City today and soon the entire world. In my hand is the Hyperstone. I know you're watching, Turtles. You've gotten lucky in the past, but you won't stop me this time. Ha ha ha. The screen fades to black. Oh man, he really burns my shorts, Raphael exclaims. Mike taps Raph on the shoulder. You're a turtle, dude. You don't wear shorts. We know what you mean, man, Don says. Shredder has really gone too far this time. It's time we put a stop to this turtle style. He raises his hand in the air, and the other three turtles rally around, giving him high threes. Cowabunga! And that is the story of the Hyperstone Heist. That's the other thing I like, is I love the design of Shredder in that game. Yeah, I might prefer the overall look of this game to Turtles in Time, but I can't tell how much of that is just that I'm so used to Turtles in Time that it's nice to see something different, you know? Yeah. Because like I said at the beginning, I didn't grow up with this game either, so... I didn't find out about it until I was already a fully grown adult. No, I mean, I, I I, didn't look up to see if it's like as hard to find as Turtles in Time, but I'm kind of surprised it wasn't like on the one-up arcade cabinet. It's just like a bonus game. So yeah, Hyperstone Hoist, uh, well worth playing if you can, you know, find a ROM or the original game. So, yeah, it's a great game. Definitely recommend, like, if if you like Turtles in Time, you should also play this game at this point. There's so many, you know, emulator programs out there and stuff. Uh, like you always say, I, I wish they'd make, like, a Turtles collection with all these games yeah. in one place. I don't even know if they're all by the same I, company. Yeah, they're all Konami. Konami just has to go be like, hey, Nickelodeon, yeah, but that, that, I have an idea. That was the developer. Do they all have the same publisher? Or did Konami do both? They did oh, both. Oh, they did both. Okay, I see it here. Capcom keeps releasing a Mega Man collection every time there's a new system. Every single time. It's like, what do you got? A, a PlayStation 3? Here, Mega Man 1 through 6. What do you got? A PlayStation 4? Mega Man 1 through 6. What do you got? A Switch? Mega Man 1 through 6. What do you got? An Xbox? Mega Man 1 through 6. 
because you buy it on everything they keep releasing. I can't have a system without having Mega Man on there. It's just unheard of. (laughs) Have you at least beaten all six of them? I've beaten all 11 of them. Okay. (laughs) But if you want to talk to us about Mega Man... Tweeted us on Twitter <laughs> at TMNT Nerds. Tell us what your favorite me- classic Mega Man game is. I'm sick of people saying Mega Man X is better. Yeah, I'm not talking about the X series. This is a different series. You want to talk about Mega Man Legends too? Huh? You want to talk about Mega Man Battle Network? These are all different series. It's not the same thing. I want to know classic Mega Man um, 1 through 11. What's your favorite? Get at us on Twitter. I like how whenever you promote us, it's like you want people to like fight us. <laughs> All right, let's start a Mega Man podcast. This whole thing, I know we're oh, only two God. issues away from finishing this volume, <laughs> but like we're done. I'm not even we're we're going to be Mega Man podcast next week. Mega Man nerds. <laughs> All right, thank everybody for listening and we will see you next time for issue 61 or City at War part 12, whatever you want to call it. See you then. The Ninja Turtle Nerds is a fan-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash tmntnerds. If you'd like to see images of the comics we discussed in this episode, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at tmntnerds. Have a question or comment for us? You can email us at tmntnerds at gmail.com. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening.